Well, as you hide the rest of those Easter eggs in preparation for the big holiday this weekend, we're going to entertain you by talking a little country music and a little radio with a gentleman who knows a little about them both. Or a lot. His name is Carl Shannon. He is a Valley Station, Kentucky native and a 40-plus year veteran of the airwaves. Now, although Carl is retired from full-time radio employment, his schedule is still far more active than that of your average retired bear, as we will learn. Carl's resume includes stints at radio stations in Louisville, Lexington, Nashville, various points in between. In fact, he still hosts a once-a-week radio show Saturday nights that can be heard on Lexington's 105.5 Hank the Legend, and we will discuss that off and on as we progress through the show because it's a great chance for us all to get our classic country fix. So hang on tight for tons of education and enlightenment that goes quite nicely with that Easter candy of yours. It's episode 15, season 5 of Blabbing in the Bluegrass. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Mount Vernon to Mount Sterling, Mount Washington to Mount Zion, we cover the Commonwealth just like a blanket, right here and only here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, exploration and celebration of all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here at the highly acclaimed Highly exclusive North Quail Motel in Precious, Henderson KY. Could not be more pleased to be joined this time around by Mr. Carl Shannon, a true radio icon, particularly in Central Kentucky and Middle Tennessee, where he spent five years at the mighty WSM FM in Nashville. Carl, in fact, spent the vast majority of his radio career in country music. So, needless to say, while in Nashville and beyond, he developed a rapport with many, many household names from the likes of Garth Brooks to Vince Gill to Faith Hill, and that's just barely scratching the surface. The list goes on and on, so we'll learn more about the connections he formed and the conversations he enjoyed with uh, these and other individuals. He has also worked for people that uh, you very well may recognize, most notably Mr. Ralph Hacker, longtime uh, color commentator for Kaywood Ledford during UK basketball games and also some football. But uh, anyhow, Ralph owns WVLK AM and FM. Carl worked on the FM side while uh, Ralph was still owner, and so he'll discuss their time working together and the lessons that Carl learned under Ralph. It's just going to be a, a grand old time, and we're both going to learn a lot. So don't you move a muscle. We'll get to Carl in mere, mere moments. But before we do, you know the drill. I have another bluegrass brain buster hot off the press and ready for you. We try to do one of these each week, so we'll give you the question now. The answer, my friend, will be revealed at the conclusion of today's program. So we told you a while back here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass that uh, 84 WHAS was the state's very first radio station. It signed on uh, in 1922. And uh, believe it or not, Beattyville, Beattyville KY was the home of Kentucky's very first university-owned non-commercial radio station. I want to know what was it 
And when was it established? Again, Beattyville, Beattyville, Kentucky, was the home of the nation's very first, yes, I said the nation's very first university-owned non-commercial radio station. I want to know what it was and when it was established. Get the juices flowing, but don't think so hard that you missed something that Carl has to say. You won't want to miss any of it, but we'll let you know the answer in the program's final segment. The answer might surprise you. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, if you live in the Central Kentucky zone, chances are you've heard his voice. And if you don't live in Central Kentucky, chances are you still have heard his voice. He has worked for uh, a number of legendary radio stations, such as uh, WSM-FM in Nashville, uh, the former K-93 in Lexington. He finished his career at uh, Hank FM in Lexington. He still does voice work for uh, a lot of uh, sports radio networks. Odds are you've heard him on uh, one of those, especially if you're a big sports fan. And even though he's... um, Retired from full-time radio work, he still hosts a show on uh, Saturday evenings in Lexington called Honky Tonk Saturday Night, which we'll talk more about as we go along here. But uh, let's welcome, direct via Zoom from Lexington, the one and only Carl Shannon. Hey, Sam. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, Such an honor to to talk to you. It's hard to believe that uh, you've been retired from full-time radio for what about three and a half years now uh september of 2018 is when i retired so it'll be four years coming up this september gosh that's uh <laughs> I, I know it's flown by but your your voiceover work uh, which we'll dive into more momentarily i know that uh, that keeps you busy and your uh, your saturday night program so that uh, that keeps you connected to the listeners and still uh gives you yourself a chance to get your country classics fix every yeah, week, I, I guess. I, I love the Saturday night show. They gave me complete freedom on uh, what I can play, what I do. It's pretty much they give me five hours and I play and have fun. That, that, that's what it's all about. So you, you could even break out and start singing if you wanted to. <laughs> I, I have done that. You have done that. How <laughs> about them that. apples? That's, I'll tell you, I'm going to have to <laughs> tell my Alexa to pull up Hank FM <laughs> next Saturday yeah. night and uh, and uh, find out what Honky Tonk Saturday night's all about. But uh, anyway, I know that you're a native of Valley Station, Kentucky, and, and uh, proud of it. And proud of it. Yes, there's <laughs> there's a lot of hometown pride in that. There is. Well, <laughs> we got upset when Louisville annexed us. We used to be four hundred one seven two, and then Louisville picked us up and we became 40272 and it ticked everybody in Valley Station off. See, Val- <laughs> Valley Station has its own identity outside of Louisville, doesn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We're we're we we should be our own county out there. Yeah, I agree. I'm not from there, but uh, I totally second that. But anyway, uh, I know that as a youngster, Carl, you developed a passion for uh acting and drama so uh, tell us if you would how you ultimately channeled this passion into uh, a 40 plus year career behind the microphone sir well i was i was very active in school in drama and was in the senior play that was my big deal and uh i just fell in love with acting then i was going to go to college but couldn't take really any acting classes until my third year and i only planned on going two years anyway And after about six months, I dropped out and then found uh, an ad for a broadcasting school. And so I I called him and set up an appointment, enrolled there. And I think it was about a five or six month course. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. But uh, graduated on a Friday and started in radio on Sunday. How about that? Two days after you graduated. Now, uh, (laughs) where, uh, where was this radio school, Carl? Uh, it was in the east end of Louisville in St. Matthews. It was, uh, what was it? International Broadcasting School. I don't think they're in business anymore, but it was taught by Jim Miller, who at the time was a, a full-time air personality at WINN in Louisville, where I later ended up working. Right. And, uh, but I, I just thought it was good because it was taught from a radio person and not a college professor. 
who maybe hasn't done radio. And uh, so it was, it was well worth the money. I think it was $350. And, uh, but uh, it paid off in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Serves you well over four plus decades. Now we got some common ground already, sir. Cause speaking of win radio, um, I worked for a, a time at WBKR in Owensboro and ah. my program director was Moon Mullins, who was also your program director. Moon hired me at, w, at WINN and we were friends until the very end. He was just a, uh, a very, very strong mentor for me, taught me a lot about radio, what to do. He's the one that really convinced me to get into production and, you know, recording commercials and uh, teaching me how to use inflection and editing skills. And, you know, I owe a lot of my uh, uh, career to Moon, uh, him and Johnny Randolph at WAKY. I've oh, heard there. that name. <laughs> I worked there and Johnny was... He was one of my best friends forever, and we lost him sadly a few years ago. But uh, I mean, here I was, uh, 19 years old, working at WAKY in Louisville, and uh, also working at the same time at Wynn in Louisville. I was Carl Shannon on Wynn and Chris Shannon on Wacky, and that was before non-competes and all that stuff came into effect. But uh, I'd work seven to midnight at, at Wynn and then go over and work the all night shift at Wacky. I did that for about four months and wow. I was making some good money, but I didn't have any time to spend it because the rest of the time I was sleeping. Right. But, uh, but yeah, Moon, Moon really convinced me that production, you could make a lot of money and told me about a guy named Mason Adams, who he used to do the Smuckers, Smuckers, you know, the, the Smuckers commercials. Oh, and yeah, huh? so I, I listened to his inflection. It was like, that's the way you do this. And, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to do uh, uh, commercials for people all over the country. One of the most recent ones I did, I did at Santa Claus for WWE and their WrestleMania Christmas promotion. Oh, and how about that? <laughs> it was like, Santa, I want you to go see WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, but I've done, I've done some commercials for people all over the country. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, speaking of Santa Claus, I know you've been known to play Santa with another legendary Lexington radio personality by the name of Jack Patty, haven't you? We are probably the only two radio people in the world competing against each other who portray Santa Claus. I was doing mornings <laughs> and Jack was doing mornings. And uh, it was just, uh, it was, it was pretty wild to, for both of us to be doing uh, Santa Claus and you were both on the radio. We've shared, you know, I've gotten jobs from uh, that, that Sam, that Sam, that uh, Jack couldn't do. He would throw me, throw me a bone. And same thing with me. I've had jobs I couldn't do where I turned them over to him, but we've, uh, we're, we're very good friends to this day. See if you <laughs> if you have to compete, that's that's the type of competition that that you always want. Now it was, uh, it was really strange in the '80s when I was at K93 and Jack was uh, doing mornings at WVLK. You know, between he and I, our morning shows, we had I think at one time 71 cents on every advertising dollar spent in Lexington on those two radio stations. We were, <laughs> we were so, so dominant. And there was nothing flashy about K93. I, we always called it like vanilla ice cream. You know what you're going to get? You're going to get a whole lot of music and not a whole lot of talk. Right. <laughs> Just like vanilla ice cream, but but you know you're going to like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, Carl, your first radio job out of school was uh, WSAC in Fort Knox. Now, yep. what, uh, what do you remember most about this debut radio gig? And just out of curiosity, what was, um, what was the very first song that you ever played? The first song I played was Foot Stomping Music by Grand Funk Railroad. Ah. And, and I have that copy somewhere in my closet. I actually, when they took it out of rotation and replaced it with another copy, I, uh, I took the original and I've got it somewhere, but uh, that was the first job I had. And I lived in Valley Station. So it was about 
you know, really only about 20 minutes from home. And uh, it was a nice little uh, uh, daytime station. I think it was 1470. And I would do sign on. And uh, so many things I remember about that because Tad Murray uh, hired me from my first job. He also fired me from my first job because the, oh, owner, the, owner, and fired you. the owner didn't like me, but Tad and I remained friends for years. He sadly, he passed away just a year or so ago. Uh, oh, but, gotcha. but, but one time I remember uh, the guy I had replaced had gone to another station, but he had taken a lot of labels off carts and changed them. So when I thought I was playing a cart with my name, it was actually his. And uh, so this went on for about a week until we figured out what all of them were. And, and we would have a, a gag where we, uh, we had a, a shoe box that we would give to the guy reading the news live. And he uh, opened it one day and there was an M, a lit M80 in it, it's firecracker. Oh, really? And, <laughs> and it, when it blew, all you heard on the air was a quick pop because it was an, <laughs> we had an RCA ribbon microphone. And oh, it blew no. The so it was shortly after that, that the, my demise was... <laughs> <laughs> oh good this gave me a good story to tell anyway but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway now, now how long were you there in fort knox carl i was there maybe six seven months and uh uh loved every minute of it and learned so much just by being on the air there's things that you you can't do in a broadcasting school that you have to do on the air and you just really learn by doing that and uh learned under fire so to speak that led to bigger better things shortly afterwards in fact let's uh, let's fast forward a few years to your your time at um win radio w-i-n-n 1240 in yep. louisville i know you said you worked um with wacky at the same time but anyway yeah. while you were at win you had uh, the enviable opportunity to go on the road with the late Waylon Jennings for a few weeks to see how uh, how he ran things. So talk about uh, the how this invitation came into your lap and uh, describe your experience traveling uh, with Waylon and his crew. Well, that was that was so amazing. I had gone to see Waylon. Waylon really turned me on to country music. At first, when I started at Wind, I was thinking, I'm not going to this country music. Gosh, what is this? <laughs> and I would, I would, we had a counter that would start when you started the turntables and I would see how long the record was and I'd do my intro and thing, turn the monitor down. So I didn't have to listen to it. And then, uh, when it came close to the record being over, I'd turn the monitor up, do my thing, turn the monitor back down and watch the counter. Well, one night I played uh, a Waylon Jennings song. I'm not sure which one it was, but I was thinking, man, that's really good. And so he was going to be in town shortly after that. And I went to see him and just fell in love with Waylon and his show and the band. And so I went to see him probably four or five times over the next few months and uh, got finally got backstage and had pictures made with him and became friends with guys in the band and uh, went to a show. I think it was in Owensboro. This was probably 1975. Okay, and, a few nights ago. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I was backstage, and uh, the bus hadn't gotten there yet, and the security guard comes up and says, you're going to have to leave. I said, well, I've got an all-access pass. He said, I don't care. I said, you're going to have to leave. And so about that time, the bus pulls up. Waylon gets off the bus, says, hey, Hoss, how you doing? I said, well, this guy wants to make me leave because, you know, he told me he could make me leave. And, Sure. Waylon said, no, he said, security guard, you leave. And <laughs> so then it was, we got to talking later on that night and uh, Rance Wasson was a member of the band. He said, man, you ought to go on a road with us for a week or two. And I went, what? He said, yeah, ride on the bus and go to the shows. He said, uh, you'll have a lot of fun. He said, we have to run it by Waylon. And I said, okay. So Waylon said, okay. So he called Moon Mullins and told them that I was going to be off for two weeks and that he would pay whoever it was that was going to fill in. And so I, I left my car in Nashville and he, uh, uh, that's where we started the, the tour and left my car in Nashville. And 
uh, went to Alabama and Arkansas and Louisiana and shows down there. And then when we got to Louisiana, I think it was Baton Rouge is where we were. Uh, he was headed out West and I said, well, I need to get back. So he flew me back to Nashville to get my car. And that was oh, also, my goodness. The, that was also the first time I'd ever been on an airplane. And <laughs> how about that? <laughs> but I had, I had so much fun with them and just, uh, care. I still have a love for Waylon Jennings. He's my all time musical hero and just what he accomplished and, uh, the, the songs that he wrote wrote and recorded were just amazing and still are oh yeah i mean you listen, <laughs> you listen to my mp3 player probably have every other song is a wayland song and is that right <laughs> I love, and i love the live versions of the songs uh more so than the studio versions and uh, i just a big wayland fan to this day Oh yeah, he was he was a good one. Everybody knows only Daddy but a walk the line, but there's much much more to Wayland's oh, yeah. catalog. Oh yeah, one <laughs> of my just... favorites was "It's All Right," which is just a funny little song. But if you look it up by Wayland, you'll have you'll think, man, what a great song! And it's all right. I'm sure I'd know it if I heard it. It's not. Was was it a big hit? No, no, it wasn't no. a hit. Okay. I, don't think it was, I don't know if it was a single, but uh, oh gosh, but... <laughs> it, uh, great song. It's all right. We ain't all been. We ain't all been wrong, but it's all right. Oh, yeah. that's fine. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to YouTube that after a while now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you will. shortly there um, after when Carl, you made your way to. Um, Morning Drive at WBLK-FM, also known as K93, where you worked um, for a gentleman whose name that uh, almost all of our listeners should undoubtedly remember, Mr. Ralph Hacker. He the was, best uh, dressed man on radio. <laughs> the best dressed man. I have heard him called that. The best dressed man on radio. Anyway, uh, most of us undoubtedly remember him from uh, his days as uh, Kaywood Ledford's color commentator, as well yeah. as... Um, later play-by-play -play voice of the cats for uh, yeah. <laughs> about uh, 10 years or so. But anyway, reflect, if you would, Carl, on the, your uh, year spent with Ralph along with the skills and the lessons you acquired uh, as part of his team. Well, I had worked at WAMZ uh, in Louisville before that, and uh, I was the second live person on WAMZ. And then uh, we parted ways, and I went to work at Wave 970, uh, as midday guy and their production director, thanks to Moon Mullins. And, uh -huh. uh, but uh, the Wave had acquired the broadcast rights for Kentucky uh, a couple of years. And Ralph Hacker had come over to the station and, uh, you know, we talked to him and stuff. And I said, hey, why don't you hire me for that big country station you got? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, we're, we're automated right now. I said, well, you know, if it changes, call me. I'd love to come over there. And so a couple of months later, he calls, he says, uh, you want to come over and do mornings? I went, yeah. So, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so that's how that went. And, uh, shortly about six months after I was there, then, uh, Ralph made me program director and, uh, we had, uh, some of the best ratings in Lexington radio history at that radio station. And, uh, we had a plaque on the wall, not a plaque, but a, a phone, uh, phone call chart where we had a contest, uh, like three in a row songs. And the third song you called in and you won like a thousand dollars, something like that. And we burned up the phone lines with the number, with the volume of calls. And they had a, they had that chart from the phone company on the wall that, you know, how many phone calls, it was hundreds of thousands at one time. And that prompted uh, the special exchange for radio stations only. And because we, uh, we burned up the phone lines and, uh, that changed radio history where, you, okay, radio stations got to be on a separate, a separate circuit, so to speak. But Ralph, one of the nicest guys I've ever known, and we're still friends to this day and, uh, not many bosses I can say that about. While at K93, sir, you helped to, uh, draw attention and uh, recognition for an up-and-comer by the name of John Michael Montgomery, who'd been uh, tearing it up at Lexington's Austin City Saloon at the time. So uh, explain how exactly you helped uh, generate interest and uh, awareness of 
John Michael and uh, how you sort of helped him make the turn into to superstardom, shall we say? Yeah, I uh, had become friends with a, a group called the Bandit Band, which I later teamed up with. Uh, we'll talk about that more a little later on. Sure. They said, man, you got to come out and hear John Boy. And uh, so we all went out to Austin City Saloon uh, one day and we were sitting around and uh, just singing songs. And I was like, gosh, this guy is amazing. And he was a killer guitar player, killer guitar player. And, uh, and I had wanted to take him into the studio and record some tracks on him. And in the meantime, he was playing uh, at Austin City Saloon. And I talked to record people every week with my program director job and, and uh, kept telling all of them, said, man, somebody's got to come here and hear this guy. He's a, he's good looking. He sings great. Uh, he's a great songwriter. And I said, he's got you know, major star talent written all over him. And uh, so a guy from Atlantic records came down, Bill Heltimus. He was a record rep I dealt with. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, man, he's everything you said he was. So he called Rick Blackburn, who was the head of Atlantic. And Rick came down a couple of weeks later and pretty much signed him that night and the rest mm. of, the rest is history and john and i are still good buddies and and uh if i would have been really smart then i would have gotten a management deal on it but i was just trying to help him out and, <laughs> sure and I did. but then when i went to nashville and bought a little legends race car john helped me buy it and the record uh the record label wouldn't let me put uh his name or picture on the car so I just had thanks John Michael in script on the back of the, the, the back of the back end. And that was uh, the most advertising I could give him. <laughs> hey, that's, <laughs> that's, that means nothing by a long shot, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So once you, once you got somebody there to see him, gosh, he was signed almost instantly. And yeah, gosh. It, was like, it was like a month later, you know, when a month later. Yeah. And, uh, Boy, John Michael, <laughs> he was all over those country radio airways throughout most of the 90s so oh yeah he was huge huge <laughs> he and definitely still, was and he still and, does a lot of tours today too he's still out there playing yeah and uh and doesn't he still um live out there around nicholasville yeah he's got a nice he bought a, a, a subdivision and it was basically a bunch of land and he built a couple of houses on it he uh lives in one and he's got about three or four neighbors out there Sure. Well, that's, <laughs> that's great. I know, uh, I know he really enjoys hanging out around there. Now, uh, a few years later, you landed a gig uh, as morning show host on the mighty WSM FM. Now you arrived there in, was it 92, 93? 92. 92. Gotcha. So, uh, and, uh, since this station aired the, uh, Grand Ole Opry, you were lucky enough to serve as, an announcer on the Opry stage. So uh, talk, if you would, about the uh, the honor and thrill of uh, <laughs> emceeing portions of the Opry and take us through maybe some of your, your fondest memories from, from this experience. Well, at WSM, that was such a big step. And uh, they had offered me a job a year before, but uh, they didn't offer offer me as much money as I was making at K93. And I said, no, if I want to come, if you want me to come down there, it's going to cost this much. Right. And so a year later, they had new, uh, they hired a new PD, uh, Kevin O'Neill, who's also no longer with us, but he, uh, he called me and said, Hey man, I want you to come down here. I mean, he was, he was from North Carolina and that's the way he talked. And <laughs> gotcha. so I went down and, uh, we went out on uh, Bob Myers, huge yacht on old Hickory Lake. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I said, well, how, I said, what's, what powers this boat? And he said, well, we got two Chevy 454s. And I went, whoa, I said, how much does it cost to fill up? And he said, if you have to ask that, you can't afford it. So you don't need to know. So, <laughs> so we, we struck a deal and uh, went down there. And uh, it was uh, the week of the radio seminar uh, when I got hired. And I was down there with, with K93. And uh, Kevin said, man, come by the station. I got something I want you to do. Well, I was thinking, you know, do some liners or promos that, hey, we're going to start, you know, whatever day it was. And sure. It was no, it was MC, the Travis Tritt, Dwight Yoakam concert at the Opry House that night. Ah. 
And I'm thinking, these people have no idea who I am. And uh, it was a lot of radio people because it was part of the uh, radio seminar, but then other regular people could get in too. And so uh, went out there and there was that big wooden circle. And it was like, man, talk about throwing me to the dogs. And, uh, <laughs> right. But we did it. And, and I worked with Kathy Martindale, who was a wonderful partner. And uh, she has since uh, in the uh, Country Radio Hall of Fame or the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. And uh, oh, good for her. She was just, uh, she was really the first person I really met when I went down there and she was dating Billy Joe Royal. And when I went to her house, there was, there was Billy Joe. And so we uh, met him. He was like the second person I met when I went to Nashville. And, uh, but so so many good times we had, we had so many great events we did and, uh, you know, got to MC a show at the Ryman auditorium, which was even, scarier than their opry house and uh, <laughs> i can imagine but, but uh it was just a, a wonderful time and and i just i made a lot of friends down there and didn't take many pictures because the locals didn't do that you know we had all these people come into their station and right. do interviews and and uh but they kind of frowned on us taking pictures and so we had had roy acuff in one time and mini pearl Howdy. And, and I wish I had, you know, had pictures with all of them. I met them, but it wasn't, uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't have a picture to, uh, to mark the events. Yeah, just don't have the visual proof, but, but anyway, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember Kathy Martindale on, um, a few syndicated shows that she used to do as well. Is she, uh, is she still hanging out in the Nashville area? Yeah. And she does, uh, I think a show called NASCAR country. She's on that a syndicated radio show, but she did uh, video PM on the national network down there. And she was doing a morning show with me and then doing video PM a little later. And she did a lot of stuff for the Nashville network. And oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so- she, she did car commercials for a lot of people across the country too. All park commercials. That's neat. Now um, I know that um, one of your highlights as uh, an opera announcer, you got to do uh, Bill Monroe's very last show before he passed, didn't you? Yep, it was March 24th. I forget what year, but uh, I know it was March 24th because that was my dad's birthday, and dad had come down to go to the Opry. I had uh, Grandpa Jones and Bill Monroe on the segment that I hosted, and uh, Bill Monroe sang happy birthday to my dad, and that was pretty oh, neat. Yeah. A fond memory that the that you'll always have. Now, uh, I read in an article from uh, KentuckyCountryMusic.com, Carl, that while you were uh, in Nashville, you had the unique chance to uh, interview a young but very talented Faith Hill before most of us ever knew who she was. So uh, why don't you share with us what you uh, remember about this conversation and to describe what it was that that led you to believe that Miss Faith Hill was a, a superstar in the making? She was so, it was her very first radio interview and she was scared to death and we tried to make her feel as, as comfortable as possible. And, sure. but, uh, it was, she was, it was part of the radio seminar again, not that first year, but, uh, she was on a show at the Opry house that night with several other Warner brothers acts. And, uh, so they brought her in, I think little Texas was on the show, maybe somebody else too. And, uh, but she was just scared to death. And so we just tried to make her feel comfortable, but she was, you could tell she was really nervous. And so we tried to make her feel at home and talked about her roots in Mississippi and things that a lot of people wouldn't ask. I didn't ask. I never asked the question. So who influenced you? I, I never asked, asked that because people just singers don't really want to hear that. Yeah. They probably get tired of answering things like yeah. that. I know. And uh, so we'd always try to ask, questions like uh how many cheeses how many types of cheese do you have in your refrigerator and <laughs> that was always a good icebreaker because it would make them laugh sure and, and uh but we did things like that and she just you know she just uh, impressed me as as a nice young girl and then hearing her sing that night was like whoa this girl's gonna be great and so she ended up being great <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> i guess it was I'm, shortly thereafter we all started hearing wild one and but i'm proud to say that i was faith hills first 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, you were her first uh, radio interview. Actual interview, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we joked about that since then. You know, I said, "Well, you know, I was your first. She said, "Yeah, and you never forget your first. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Anyhow, while in Nashville, you uh, developed a rapport with a number of uh, tremendous country music talents. In addition to those, I know many of whom you remained friends with um, after you returned to Central Kentucky, but I want to focus on uh, a few of those artists, which I know a number of people in our audience uh, know and love quite well. And let's start out with uh, the friendship that you formed with the legendary Vince Gill. No, Vince is great. He was, he's just one of those guys that Anytime you called him for something, he was always there. And uh, we've been friends and saw him just a couple of years ago. He played up here at Eastern Kentucky University. And uh, then then like a year or so later, he played at Renfro Valley with the uh, Time Jumpers. And I just walked in and walked backstage and, hey, Carl, how you doing? (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. but But when we had stuff going on at the radio station in Nashville, we'd we could call Vince and he'd do whatever we needed him to do. And uh, whether it was a celebrity basketball game or whatever, the celebrity softball games we had, he was always there. And I've got a a picture of him and Amy Grant that I took in the dugout. This was long before they were married, uh, but they were, uh, they were friends then. And, and uh, so uh, I got a picture somewhere, Vince and Amy, and I think Larry Stewart was in the picture too. Oh, Restless Heart lead singer. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> a star-stunned picture then. I know um, I've heard Vince is a, a pretty hardcore golfer, too. Have you ever golfed with him? No, I did. Uh-huh. Uh, I did. He. We did a charity golf thing. I forget who it was for, but the boss of the radio station organized it. So we had to play. I hadn't played in years. I mean, years. Didn't have any clubs. Borrowed some clubs from a neighbor of mine in Nashville. And, uh, but then they had certain holes where you could have a designated driver, which is somebody you pay, you know, 20 bucks to the charity and this other guy will hit the ball for you. Sure. And, uh, so Vince was one of the designated drivers that day and we'd all go up there and pay our 20 bucks and have Vince hit the ball. But he, uh, he was, he was, a, he's a scratch golfer. I mean, he could be a pro golfer. Uh, he loves the game of golf. I still got my hat from when. The Vinny, I think it's maybe still going on. It was a golf tournament he did for charity. The Vinny. uh, (laughs) But uh, still got my hat that I still love to wear. Oh, that's awesome. I I would wear it with pride myself. Now, uh, another artist that uh, you formed a fabulous friendship with is uh, one that to say he's a a superstar would be uh, quite an understatement, but uh, Mr. Troyle Garth Brooks. Can't stand him. Just kidding. <laughs> I know you're lying. <laughs> the first, the first time I met him, uh, it was in Lexington, and uh, we went backstage, and he said, uh, "You didn't play my first single," which we didn't at K ninety three. But then we went on it when it became a huge hit. But I said, "Yeah, that was that was one I missed." I said, "I'm not going to miss any more." And and we inter- I interviewed him maybe three or four years ago for a show. And uh, he always remembered my wife. He said, well, be sure to say hi to Marie for me. And he just, I mean, out of nowhere. And oh. he, they taught him well. He learned how to schmooze from the best, obviously. But he uh, never has forgotten my name and uh, played basketball at his house one or two times in Nashville. And just oh, that's a, awesome. Just a class guy. Jimmy Mattingly, his fiddle player, uh, had played with me back in the eighties in Louisville. And, uh, so I've known Jimmy for a long time too. That's cool. Also, what was this in the, uh, the bandit band? No, this was the cat tracks band. The bandit band. And, see. Uh, and Jimmy played, uh, we did a, a couple of recording sessions. I did a song for the Louisville Redbirds, which was a triple a baseball club. Sure. Made made records they could sell at the games, and Jimmy uh, played fiddle on that. And you know he was like eighteen, and he had this blue metal flake fiddle. That uh, anytime I see him, I say, "Where's that blue metal flake fiddle?" And he just, oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. But he he won it when he was a Kentucky Grandmaster Fiddle Champion at like the age of seventeen. 
Oh, that's so cool. So he's a fiddle champion and he uh, always played that fiddle uh, like nobody's business, no doubt. But I don't, uh, think, I don't think there's anybody any better than him. He's just, and he has so much fun doing it. Speaking of that first single, which was the only one that uh, that you missed out on, that was uh, Much Too Young Feel This Damn Old, right? Yep. That's what I thought. And we didn't play it because it had damn in it. Uh, that was, that was a call from above. And then after it became a huge hit, I said, we've got to play this song. And so then they said, okay, go ahead. You remained with WSCM FM through, was it 97? Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, after that, you returned to, uh, central Kentucky, entertained listeners at, uh, several radio stations, including a return to K93. And you were, you were there for about another what, seven or eight years after you came back to Lexington? Something like that. I forget yeah. how long it was. Absolutely. And then a few other stops uh, throughout Central Kentucky, and uh, you ultimately finished your career at Hank FM. So uh, tell us what uh, what made your time. I know you're still there on the on Saturday nights doing your thing, but tell us what made your, uh, your, your full-time experience at Hank so special and explain what made it uh, the perfect place to conclude your journey through the world of radio well i was in a place i affectionately called radio hell <laughs> and, and uh, couldn't stand the owner and just was miserable and was dying to get away from there so what i did i had country singers that i knew i'd sent them a note and i said could you call the owner's voicemail after hours that way it'd be sure to go to voicemail and so I had uh, Larry Stewart called, Vince Gill called, Marty Stewart called, uh, several of the Oak Ridge boys called, and John Conley all called and, you know, said, well, we sure do appreciate you playing our music on your radio station. We'd sure like to see our pal Carl Shannon working there. Oh, and how about that? <laughs> so after that weekend, after Monday on Tuesday, I got a call and they said uh, they wanted to meet with me. And so I went on down and we uh, uh, came to an agreement and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'll be I'll turn in my two weeks notice. He said, no, it's, it's you got to start tomorrow. And oh. so, uh, so I had to go in the next day and quit, which I've never, ever done that. But uh, it didn't bother me because the owner was a jerk. And so I was like, fine, whatever. And so uh, you go. So you quit and left in the same day. Yeah. And uh, then I'd, I'd been getting all my stuff out of there uh, because I thought maybe they were going to fire me or something. And uh, just because I was just, I was being a jerk to him. And uh, so, but I got, I got to pull the trigger first and uh, have never looked back and have never mentioned those call letters again. And I hope you won't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we we won't. And uh, anyway, it all worked out for the better, though. You ended it uh, ended up at Hank FM and stayed there for, uh, I guess, four years in, in full, didn't you? Yeah, about four years and did the morning show. And it was so much fun because pretty much I could do what I wanted. And, you know, they knew that I knew more about country music than anybody there. And so I could play songs I wanted to. And uh, they let me go out the way I wanted to go out. I had to uh, uh, last day where I had interviews with uh, John Michael, Exile came in, uh, John Conley, uh, Larry Stewart. Oh, gosh. It was a, a star-stunted final show for sure. It was basically a four-hour talk show with a few records put in. Oh, that's and, great. <laughs> but, uh, but so many people listened to it and got so many comments afterwards. And uh, the mayor came in and gave me the Spirit of Lexington Award, which is an award for somebody who really uh, uh, shows what Lexington's all about. And uh, I got to emcee an event with, with the mayor earlier uh, after the uh, horrible shootings out in Las Vegas. And, and myself and Deidre Ranstrell, who worked at, uh, uh, I forget what station it was called then, it was 92.9, which used to be K93. And yeah, I think it became the bear for a little while. And yeah, uh, and then I'm not sure what it was after that. Others, but yeah. WLXX, I think. Sure. And uh, but you know, we were two competing people and we came together for that. And I've been friends with Deidre forever and still am. Uh, but uh, it was unheard of for 
competing radio people to uh, get together to do things. Well, I got in trouble when I was in Nashville. I had lunch with Jerry House one day, who was the uh, guy over at WSIX. Oh, yeah. I've read Jerry's book, actually. It's great. Great. It was a great book. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the boss said, What were you doing having lunch with Jerry House? I said, Well, we're, you know, we were just friends. You know, we're just talking about lunch and stuff. And, Thought, well, you didn't give any secrets, did you? I said, no, you know, <laughs> they know what we're doing. We know what they're doing. You know, it's just, you know, we were, we had lunch. And so. Yeah. Uh, you just bonded and uh, yeah. y- y'all were on at that exact same time slot though, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. And he, and he was from Northern Kentucky originally. And right. So uh, I was just like, it was two Kentucky boys getting together. Yeah, so <laughs> you had some common ground. They had uh, they had some personnel issues with that, but but anyway, well, that's that's great though that you were able to interact with Jerry and uh, you know have all those fun and fabulous superstars accompany uh, you for your your final show uh, on Hank FM. Anyhow, one of your one of your former morning show characters who always made listeners smile, Carl was. Uh, the one and only Shotgun Red. Uh, <laughs> we started that in Nashville, and uh, Kevin O'Neill said, well, Steve, you can get Shotgun Red to come on the show. So he'd come in and uh, record some bits with us, and we'd play him every day. And But we uh, we remained friends. Sadly, he passed away a few years ago. But uh, Steve Hall was the voice and creator of Shotgun Red. He was from Minnesota and had moved to Nashville with Shotgun Red because he'd gotten a lot of interest and Ralph Emery had picked him up and uh, he did a lot of stuff with Ralph and we used Red and some, we did some things in Nashville where they were like uh, pre-movie commercials where we would talk about the show that was coming up and then of course plug the radio station. But we did those at some theaters around town and Red would come in and Steve would be laying down on the floor and Red would be up next to me and we'd be doing, you know, talking to shtick and stuff. And, uh, but we were, we were good friends. He had a show on the general Jackson for a long time on the the showboat and it was shotgun red, the shotgun red band. And they were very good and he had great musicians, but it was weird because Steve was not a ventriloquist. So when he was out with shotgun red, his lips were moving, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to hide it. And, right. but it, was, it was just, it was funny. You continued to use shotgun red when you uh, came back to central Kentucky, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I used the bits and played them at K93 and then also at uh, Hank. At Hank. And then Steve passed away and I didn't do it anymore out of respect for him, but he was always okay with it. Yeah. If you got him, go ahead and use him. Okay. I will. Carl, I've, uh, I've heard I've heard you say before that a former program director of yours once told you that uh, if you weren't making people mad every once in a while, you weren't doing, doing your, your job. job. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. So I know everything you ever did. I know you meant well and everything was all for, you know, grins and giggles. But if you wouldn't mind, I'd like for you to share with us about maybe a, a contest or an entertainment feature of yours that uh, just seemed to rub people the wrong way. Uh, off, I mean, offhand, I mean, I got, well, I got, you always get complaints, you know, and if, yeah, because you can't place everybody. Yeah. You know, you talk too much, you know, you didn't play that Merle Haggard song and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, you got to take those out offhand. I can't really think of anything that I really did. Well, I take that back, uh, 1991, uh, before I went to Nashville, the Forrester sisters had a song out called men. Oh, I've heard that one. <laughs> Excuse me. And, and so I got the bandit band and we recorded a version of it called women. And women. <laughs> it was, uh, and we got picked up by car, got signed by curb curb Records signed Tim McGraw, uh, how catch him and me the same month. You can see where they put the money. but uh so we did this song called women and i had it on about 60 radio stations across the country and didn't have a label and uh, a friend of mine at curb said well come on down we want to we want to sign you i went okay so uh i thought we would go in and re-record it no we just gave them the original master and they they tweaked it a little bit but uh, we had to change uh, uh some of the lyrics because those were and looking back is like, what was I thinking? But, uh, 
uh, the, original, the original lyric was you can't beat them up because they'll send you to jail and uh, oh. and so that was that made a lot of people mad so we changed it up you can't win an argument because you're a male and <laughs> tone down slightly yeah and that's where that's the vision the version that curb put out they said you got to change that line okay <laughs> oh that part <laughs> and uh, but yeah we and i'm still a curb recording artist technically because the contract never ends and tim mcgraw at the uh, uh the legends cars races in nashville he said, how did you get out of your record deal? I said, I didn't. I said, I'm still technically a Curb recording artist. And he was on Curb and just hated it. And then eventually uh, ended up somehow getting out of there. It cost him a lot of money, but he got out of that deal and signed uh, another company. Oh, I gotcha. So, but technically you're still there. Now, does uh, the, you and the other band, band members still get together and play every once in a while? No, I think there's only really uh, one of them left. The rest have passed out. Oh, gotcha. But, I uh, see. So there's only two of you remaining. Yeah. I see. But uh, <laughs> you made a lot of musical memories through the years, I know. Well, but... I, got, I got to sing the song at the uh, Grand Ole Opry. Uh, Exile backed me up. And uh, that was a pretty neat thing, being able to sing on the stage. And uh, oh, sure. That was very cool. And to be backed up by exile, that's yeah. <laughs> that's an honor as well. I know. But uh, anyway, in addition to uh, hosting a Honky Tonk Saturday night, which we'll talk more about in a second every weekend, you, uh, you also lend your voice to many other radio and uh, television outlets across the country via Carl Shannon Productions. So for those yeah. not yet familiar, uh, give us a little snapshot, if you would, of Carl Shannon Productions and the uh, various services that, that you provide. Well, I do uh, voiceover work for people and uh, record commercials, uh, station liners, IDs, things like that. And then my, my big client is IMG Sports. And I do about 30 to 40, I forget how many uh, college radio networks, like, you know, today's game brought to you by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Vanderbilt uh, Commodores, uh, that's one of them that you do. Yeah, I do the Vanderbilt and uh, uh, Virginia Tech's another one, uh, Baylor. And I just got a Baylor championship ring the other day from John Morris for their. Uh, oh, from when they won it all last year. Yeah. And uh, so, but I do, uh, gosh. Southern Miss, uh, UCLA, uh, yeah. some, some stuff for Notre Dame. Uh, and uh, also when you folks hear liners on radio stations, like we're kicking off another 12 in a row, Carl does some of that. I don't do many. I do, I'm doing a couple of stations down in Georgia, but I've really kind of slacked off that. Oh, gotcha. Uh, because okay. now with, with corporate America, with so many big companies owning so many radio stations, they have their in-house voices. And uh, so, but I do uh, some stations in Rome, Georgia, and also uh, in Athens, Georgia. And uh, that's pretty much the only radio stations I have. And I've done work with WKYT TV here in Lexington, been doing that since the 80s when I was at BLK for the first time. You still have uh, enough to keep you busy, I know, yeah. or as busy as you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a lot of it too. I don't, you know, some people have told me, so why don't you hire an agent? I said, well, cause I think I'm busy enough right now and I'm doing what I think I can do. But anyway, you folks be sure to catch Carl. Uh, like I said, every Saturday night, it's a honky tonk Saturday night. Now Hank has just uh, switched dial positions. I know. So they're at one Oh five point five now. Right. Yeah. They got a bigger signal. And uh, the earlier when it didn't, it didn't cover the Metro. This one does and more. And uh, we've beat out uh, several of the country stations here in town uh, at several day parts. And just because now we've got a signal that people can actually hear. Sure. And listening online, we get comments from people all over the world that just love the radio station. And, uh, and my show on Saturday night, it's, it was, it's like we're at a honky tonk. And uh, uh, originally we had, I had like sound effects of crowds and stuff underneath it, but it became kind of an annoyance. So I really took that out, but, uh, oh, okay. Still, so the canned applause is gone, but still, <laughs> yeah, but we, we still have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, I get to play songs I like and songs you won't hear any place else played something a few weeks ago by the flying burrito brothers. 
and been a while since i've heard that name the flying yeah. burrito brothers and uh, but it's just uh you know they let me do what i want to do and they paid me what i wanted because i said well this is what it's going to cost well, he's not going to pay that as well i'm not going to do it and then a couple of days later okay we're in <laughs> <laughs> didn't take them long to come around but anyway that's uh that's saturday nights from uh, seven to midnight correct at hank and at hank 105.5 the website is hankthelegend.com and you can stream it there but uh it's a fun show and we've got a you know, a nice open and then a nice close between, you know, beginning and the end of the show. And, and I use a lot of, uh, Lester Roadhog Moran and the Cadillac Cowboys, of course, the Statler brothers, uh, in, in the show. And we'll play clips of Lester singing or Red and Wesley or, you know, whoever. And then, uh, they're on at the beginning and at the end of the show. And, uh, but then I've got sweepers and stuff that, you know, we'll play in between like all right mighty fine hey hey that's a good one you know and stuff like that <laughs> oh like, like what the it's, people <laughs> it's just a lot of fun it's just yeah, a lot of fun. it sounds like a big time and uh how can what's the best way for people to contact you if they have maybe a request there is a app on hank called hank us and uh it's on the ledge on the uh, hank the legend.com and you can hank us and tell us what you'd like to hear and uh, whatever go. show you'd like and <laughs> I do that I do the show here at the house I've not been in the radio station since I retired and oh that's uh, awesome so you get yeah. to do it in the comfort of your own home I've got a <laughs> studio here and just do it from here and cool stuff so yeah <laughs> so just thank uncle uncle Carl and let, let him know <laughs> what it is that you're craving to hear you won't be disappointed well uh carl i'm sure enjoyed this i know that uh, our listeners have as well but uh lastly but before we split for those that um that currently entertain people with their mouths or, or hope to at some point uh, just out of curiosity what in your mind are uh, are the most important attributes of an effective broadcaster or for that matter podcaster be yourself uh, don't try to be somebody you're not and, and use your regular voice. And, you know, I hate it when people say, uh, talk in your radio voice. Well, th this is my radio voice. It took me a long time to remember that because there for a while I was, Hey, rock and roll, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, yeah, hardly in your career talking like, talking like all the disc jockeys talked. And, uh, it was Johnny Randolph that told me be who, be you, be who you are. Don't try to force your voice. And so that, that pretty much uh, set me on the straight and narrow. And, uh, it, uh, yeah, that's the most things I can really tips. I can give. be yourself and, uh, and talk like you normally do because, you know, you, people on the radio nowadays, they talk like they talk. You have very few phony voices anymore. And, uh, yeah. So the, know, the Carl Shannon radio voice you hear, that's the voice that he, uh, that, that, that's what he uses with his wife. And, um, <laughs> he's always right yeah <laughs> yeah she's always right there you go always smart right. man but uh <laughs> <laughs> and know what you're talking about too i mean if you're going to interview somebody be prepared you know like you've been you've been great today with everything you dug up on me and uh, oh i appreciate that sir <laughs> but uh you know sometimes people will you know have an interview with somebody and they don't know anything about them and and you can tell that and the the interviewee is like oh my gosh how long is this gonna last <laughs> and, it's gonna be over <laughs> yeah and uh so yeah just be yourself know what you're talking about and uh and always try to be nice to people yes indeed i echo that being nice does go a long way well uh folks check out carl on saturday nights 105.5 or uh, hankthelegend.com for um, honky tonk saturday nights and uh, this has been a blast carl i hope you've enjoyed it my friend i really have i didn't know what this is the first podcast i've ever done well, so, I was your first, you were my first. Well, so I was your first, just like you were Faith Hill's first. That's right. Yeah. Faith, Faith's a lot cuter than you. Oh, well, yes, I would, I would second that. No, I agree wholeheartedly, but anyhow, carlshannonproductions.com is his website as well. So if you want to contact Carl there, find out more about him and, and his services. Thanks so much for joining us, Mr. Shannon, and uh, we'll do this again sometime, sir. Good deal. 
His talent is second to none. His passion is second to none. Carl Shannon was more than deserving of that Spirit of Lexington Award that he received from the mayor upon his retirement from full-time radio at Hank FM. And I think it's so cool that Carl spent all those years playing country music and interacting with various artists. Of course, he still plays country music on Saturday nights, but he also played and sang with a group of musicians known as the Bandit Band. And like he said, it's just him and one other band member still with us. But you never know when you might find the two of them singing and playing together at uh, some random location, perhaps in or around central Kentucky. So keep your eyes open and your ears peeled. Hey, even if not, you very well may hear some Bandit Band music on Honky Tonk Saturday night. Like Carl said, he's got free reign during those five hours. He can play what he wants. So I can't imagine why some Bandit Band tunes wouldn't be in order from time to time. So I sure appreciate Carl imparting some wisdom on us and entertaining us with fascinating tidbits from his uh, wildly rewarding and successful career in radio. Now, to make life easier, in my show notes, I will link you not only to the Hank the Legend webpage, which you can log on and catch his weekly show on Saturday nights, but I will also link you to the Carl Shannon Productions webpage so that you can uh, find out more about the voiceover work that he does and the services that he offers. So, again, both of those links, they're right at your fingertips in my show notes, so utilize them to reach out to Carl if you'd like and uh, learn everything you need to learn about the man, the myth, the legend. Now, if you have suggestions for future guests and topics, I know Carl Shannon's going to be Pretty hard to top, but there are a lot of interesting people all across the Commonwealth more than deserving of a spotlight. So, I certainly don't claim to know about them all either, so shoot me those emails, okay? Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Anything and everything with connections to the Commonwealth, I'm willing to consider for future show content. For those of you that are new, welcome aboard. I've been known to do restaurants, state parks, musicians, with a festival season right around the corner. I hope to target a lot of the state's outdoor festivals over the next several months. We featured a few of them last summer. I'm hoping to feature a lot more of them this summer. Like I said, don't know about all of them, so that's where you come in, and I love hearing from you on a weekly basis. So send those emails. Also, don't be shy about connecting with me via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. If you're not already liking and following the page, I strongly encourage you to do so. We love your company. Plus, all of my previous shows are there. Future teasers are posted once a week so you can get a little sneak peek of what's to come in uh, the next show. So you won't want to miss those. You can make comments leave messages, and I always enjoy interacting with listeners via that avenue as well. So, we will next come your way two days after Easter. That would be, actually three days after Easter, April the 20th, if we play our cards right. That's when we'll get together again. We don't want you to miss out on any of the action, but before we put this thing to bed, call it a week, We have one final order of business, and that is revealing the answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought to you at the beginning of the program. Of course, we told you a while back on Blabbin, 84 WHAS in Louisville was Kentucky's very first station. It signed on way back in 1922. But uh, believe it or not, Beattyville, Kentucky, in Lee County, yes indeed, Beattyville, KY, was home of the uh, first non-commercial, university-owned radio station, not just in the state, but also in the nation. I wanted to know what it was and when it was established. Your answer. It was WBKY. WBKY in uh, Beattyville, Kentucky. It first signed on the air October 17th, 1940 at 7.30 p.m. It was owned 
by the University of Kentucky, okay? Even though it was in Beattyville, it was owned by UK. It was WBKY. Now, they moved to Lexington five years later in 1945, and they uh, began broadcasting on the all-new FM band, which had just been discovered. And uh, they remained WBKY through 1989 when they changed their call letters to what we now know as WUKY. And, of course, that was to reflect the station's connection to the University of Kentucky. And a little interesting tidbit here, uh, WUKY um, helped to form NPR, National Public Radio. In fact, it was one of the first stations to carry All Things Considered, the afternoon news program on NPR, which uh, debuted in 1971. WUKY was one of the first stations to carry that. But anyhow, they started as WBKY in Beanieville, Kentucky, October 17, 1940, at 7.30 p.m. And that was the first non-commercial, university-owned radio station in the Commonwealth, as well as in the nation. So come on back next week for another Bluegrass Brain Buster. Plenty, plenty more fun. Also, don't forget to listen and subscribe to Blabbit in the Bluegrass without paying one thin dime via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Verbal. These podcast directories are easy to use. They are very accessible, very affordable, free. So don't you miss a beat each and every week. And until we meet again three days after Easter, you do me a favor, okay? Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.